1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And this is our number two of our topic on the D.C. project, where we are a group of women getting together in Washington, D.C., to project right a project a new face on the second amendment because we are the dc project like what i did there dan
2: i like it and i'll tell you that was a blast to do when we did that in february and this one's going to be bigger and we're going to meet more people and it's just it's different you you have to go to see how this is it's amazing
1: yeah i'm i'm super excited to be a part of it um, and I'm, I'm going really as a citizen because we're meeting with our, our legislators, our representatives. And, you know, if you show up as Cheryl Todd gun show radio host, uh, that's a different conversation, right? right? If you show up as Cheryl Todd owner of uh, a retail gun shop, that's a different conversation. So, you know, we're, we're going together as a family um, it is a, kind of like a female-driven um, project, but uh, we went, in February when we went uh, for kind of the first trial leg of this, we went with you, with our daughter, with our grandbaby, and we really, we made it a legacy uh, trip, and we're doing it again.
2: Yeah, the grandbaby uh, stole the show, and... <laughs> Pretty well got us in She's the door to anywhere we wanted to go. <laughs>
1: She's awesome. All right. Well, we still have some great guests coming up. And uh, in this hour, we also have our response from our citizen report and Dan's tip of the week. But uh, our next guest is Miss Corinne Mosher. And she is a millennial generation competitive three gun shooter, a wife and a mom, and also one of the participants and speakers of the DC Project, and we're bringing her to the air right now. Corinne, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to, to bring you on, and I was saying at the the top of the first hour that, you know, there's a lot of people in the millennial generation that we just don't see spending their, their extra time and their extra money uh, fighting for their constitutional rights. So, uh, what makes you so weird, Miss Corinne?
3: <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't know. Maybe the fact that when I was told I was a millennial, I had to go Google it and see what the heck that meant. <laughs> I love like, it. Like what's a millennial? So, you know what? I don't I don't know. I think, you know, every generation has the older generation that looks back and says, "Oh, well, you know, when I was younger, this or that," and 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 I, I don't know. I guess this is this generation maybe we are not as active or um, maybe the information that we get about how our world is moving and how we're um, you know our role in it, it is all from social media it's from you know it, our influences have changed and you know I, I I don't know what makes me weird I think I what I'm lucky so I think maybe I'm not weird I'm lucky that, that I've had positive influences in my life um, from the very beginning I was born into a military family um, I grew up uh, seeing um You know, men and women and mothers and fathers going off and deploying and being gone for nine months at a time or more. And uh, I learned the meaning of sacrifice. I learned the meaning of patriotism. And I learned the meaning of being something, being a part of something that was bigger and greater than just yourself. And, you know, honor and and sacrifice and all of that. And then I, I married a police officer. And it just continues. And so. Maybe I look at our country and I look at my involvement in our country a little bit different than than um, other people, and so in that way, I think that I'm lucky, and that uh, it's about time that you know I start doing something, I start giving back, which is why uh, you know I've became a firearms instructor, and not just shooting for fun and pleasure, which is of course amazing. Uh, it's it's passing that on and passing on the knowledge and the you know the whole scope of you know this is our Second Amendment, this is our rights and privileges. But with that, of course, comes responsibility. And, here, you know, it just goes on and on. I'm very passionate about it. But I don't
1: know. I absolutely love it. And so now you are a wife of a, a police officer and you're a mom as well, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have a nine-year-old daughter, Tyler.
1: And so she's now able to hopefully view the world through the same lenses that you grew up in looking through. You didn't look through the lens of, I am part of this generation. You looked at it as, I'm part of this incredible nation and all these incredible people who give of themselves. And so, I, I am so encouraged for our future that uh, that there are still examples like you for the next generation beyond yours to follow.
3: Well, I guess just like any other mother, I hope to pass on the best parts of me to my daughter not <laughs> not the worst, but you know it's true, she does. She does have a different perspective. Um, maybe she's not as, as sheltered. She understands what her dad does. She goes you know, he goes out, there are bad people, there are good people, he sees both. And, um, and just, you know, we need to be aware of certain dangers and that we need to be thankful for the good people in our life and, and try to be, you know, the best that we can be.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, how did you originally hear about the DC Project and how did you become involved to the level that you're not only a participant, but a speaker at the rally uh, that's going to be on Friday the 8th, July 8th, between 2 and 4 p.m. on the uh, lawn of the Capitol building?
3: I, I just kept saying yes.
1: I love <laughs> that. Thing,
3: I only know one word. And, and you know what, Diana or Dian, oh, no, it's Diana. Sorry, Diana Mueller called me and just asked, and she asked me a very direct question, and I couldn't, I couldn't give a lame excuse why not to be involved. <laughs> um, you know, I I live, you know, so closely entwined with the Second Amendment, and you know, it's it's part of America, and and I just I couldn't say no. So I just kept saying yes. Will you come to the February trip? Yes. Will you come back as a leader in July? Yes. <laughs> Will you be a speaker? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's not like I had any plan, and I'll even go as far as say any desire to do it. It's just, you know, when you're called to do something, you know what, you just got to do it. So I, I don't feel like I can offer very much except for my personal experiences and my personal views. And of course, as you know, not everybody in the gun industry or culture or thinks exactly the same. We're not all the same people. Right. Um, and so I think that's why it's important that so many of us are coming because So many different stories need to be told. You can't just categorize us into one group. You're the gun person, so you're all the same. We're not. And so this is the beauty of this, um, you know, tapestry that we're we're painting, really, of, you know, women specifically. But, you know, we're not just going to shoot. We are leaders in what we do. We are teachers in our home, and we are the next generation. So that's what's so amazing about this project.
1: That is... I can't imagine having said it better. So that was beautifully worded. And so you are going to be a speaker. What is your main topic that you're going to be presenting on?
3: Concealed carry, I believe, is, is my topic. And as a millennial, uh, which once again, millennial, I don't know what, what that means, I guess, because, because <laughs> other people will know that's what's know. important. Other people will know. So, you know, it's concealed carry. And um, it's kind of a hot topic. You know, I like I said, I'm not here. I told Diana, I'm not a political person, I'm not an activist, and she's like, great, I don't want you to be, that's not what we're doing, so so I'm a teacher, though, I do teach concealed carry, and I am a concealed carry permit holder, and it was a huge responsibility, huge, um, you have to develop your mindset, it's all all about self-defense, but, you know, I guess if people ask me, why do I conceal carry, I'd say it's the same reason that I learned the Heimlich maneuver, I know CPR, and I know first aid, because... if some emergency were to happen, I am going to be my first responder. I have to respond immediately to the situation that is still developing, that is happening now. As soon as we can get the big girl and boys there with the big, you know, equipment and, you know, the police and actual EMS, and I need those people, but before they can arrive on scene, I am saving myself. Exactly. And I hope that doesn't have to take too long, but that is that is why we can still carry it. Unfortunately, in the times that we live in, Um, It it is becoming more and more obvious in a tragic way why we do need more good people, good men and women um, every day, you know, around us carrying uh, tools to defend themselves with.
1: Well, exactly. And I I wish we had more time to kind of dig into that. But, you know, that whole tragedy that happened in Orlando and there's people that are saying, well, you know, if more people, citizens were carrying firearms in that club, that it would have changed things to the positive. And then everybody starts losing their mind about we can't mix liquor and guns. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Don't they have designated drivers? So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you right. you can be proactive and think ahead. And, and it, everything isn't all black or all white, you know. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. And we do have to start wrapping up. But I want people to know how can they follow what you specifically are doing um, as far as the DC Project and as far as all your other work?
3: Well, um, I would encourage everybody to follow the DC Project Facebook page. Um, you know, maybe maybe because I'm a, millennial, I'm a millennial, that's what I follow the most. So there you go. I figured it out. But um, Facebook, for sure, uh, web page. And then I do have a Facebook myself. It's Corinne Mosier. And, you know, I am a professional shooter, so I do competition shooting. But I also will do some training videos and and uh, kind of updates on what I'm doing and what I'm excited about. So I'd say Facebook would be the best thing. There's also, you know, my website, com. But, um, you know, definitely follow the DC Project because you're going to see a lot of me and a lot of amazing women that I'm going to be inspired by while there.
1: Oh, I love it. And I'm super excited to get to see you again very soon in <laughs> DC. Are you are you bringing your grandbaby again? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, good. Oh, very awesome. Good. Well, we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot.
3: All right. Talk to you later. Sam.
1: All right, bye-bye. Okay, stick around. We still have lots more to come. We have two more great guests. We have Gabby Franco. She is our our beautiful little Venezuelan immigrant. That's a I think that's an okay thing to, to call her as an immigrant. She came from Venezuela, chose America as her home and now fights for our rights and and is a great example and representation of what we can do to preserve our rights because as she says, you know, I've lived without my rights. I'm never going to do that again. And so she's an amazing uh, part of the DC project and you'll hear her come up next. And after her is Mr. Todd Rathner. Now he's not part of the DC project, but he is definitely part of projecting a new image on the second amendment and the future of our constitutional rights so stick around we got a lot more coming up including our responsibly armed citizen report and dan's tip of
4: the week when you're working hard to beat debt you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up here's an idea sell some stuff at auction start with locally owned and operated pot of gold the owners dan and cheryl todd have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques collectibles guns coins and jewelry and over their many years in business they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are talking today with the women of the D.C. Project. And our next guest is Miss Gabby Franco-Pepper. Now, Miss Gabby, are you on the line with us?
5: Yes, I'm here. And Glad
1: are- to be here. Oh, this is exciting for us. Now, do you go by Franco Pepper now? Yes. So people can find you by that. Um, and well,
5: normally on, on the Internet, they're just going to find me as Gabby Franco. So.
1: Gotcha. Well, a little bit about Miss <laughs> Gabby. Uh, she is originally from Venezuela. Has been a U.S. citizen for the last seven years. Has been involved in the shooting sports for over 20, which is shocking because you must have been uh, an infant. You are so young still to have been in the shooting sports for 20 years. She has competed all around the world. She uh, has been a TV show top shot uh contestant on seasons four and five she's been an nra news commentator she's part of the remington shooting team and somehow you found time to be an author right yeah oh. and now a mom well and mom to be a mom to be and congratulations on that i i saw you and your your tiny little bump uh when we ran into each other in kentucky at the nra meetings and uh you're just, you're so beautiful anyway, and you are a beautiful pregnant woman. So Thank you. You're welcome. So the name of your book is Troubleshooting, Mastering Your Pistol Marksmanship. Tell us uh, a little bit about that.
5: Well, my experience as an Olympic shooter, because I, I used to shoot Olympic shooting for about 10 years, is that something that most instructors uh, don't have to say, which is the psychological part of it. And not only that is how I decided to write this book to explain in a simple way and straightforward, and being straightforward, the technique of shooting. You know, we hear all the time about the fundamentals, the basics, and it seems very simple. And yet, for people, it's sometimes difficult to uh, shoot accurately over and over again. So that's what the question: is if it's so simple. If the only thing that we need is to look at a front side and squeeze the trigger, why why, why is it so difficult to shoot so accurately, mm. accurately over and over again? So that's why I thought I'm putting this together. It's actually a shooting manual, so it's not really that big. It's something that people can have the range back, and every time they go to the range, they can go through it. And every time they feel that something is not right, they can go to whatever section they think, is their issue, and they can review everything. So it's like having a mini coach next to you every time to go to the range.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that! And so, uh, again, the name of it is troubleshooting, mastering your pistol marksmanship. And how do they? How do people find that to buy that?
5: They can go to Amazon.com. They uh, can, and actually, you can actually read the the reviews from people and how people like it. Or you can also go to GabbyFranco.com and you can find a link on how to acquire my book.
1: That is fantastic. All right. So we were saying you've been in shooting for 20 years.
5: Over, actually. Over. Technically, it's 24 years.
1: Oh, my <laughs> goodness. You're not even that old. Stop it. How did thank you, you, thank you. You're welcome. How did you get into the shooting sports originally?
5: Well, um, my dad back in Venezuela, he, uh, he was trying to get his concealed carry license. And then he found out at the range they had a Olympic junior shooting team. And that's pretty much how we started it. Um, and my other two sisters and I we started shooting. And we just kept going with it. The funny thing is that, you know, my name is Franco. And the word in Spanish of shooter is tirador. Or female will be tiradora. So when you put my last name in front of that word, that means sniper. Oh! <laughs> Franco tira- yes, Franco Tirador means sniper in Spanish. So it was always very interesting how, you know, as I went, kept going and going in the uh, Olympic shooting and I started winning medals and stuff, people would say, oh, hola. The Franco Tiradora, it was a game of words. <laughs> yes. It's just part of the destiny, I guess.
1: <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. It just meant to be, for sure. Yes. Oh, my yes, goodness. Definitely. So, you know, we said that you were originally from Venezuela, and, and if anybody's <laughs> turned on the news, um, your, mm. your birth uh, country ha- is really going through some rough stuff right now. And uh, America is your chosen home. And I think yeah. that, you know, maybe it, it causes you to come from a place like Venezuela that, that is struggling through some some political um, missteps and decisions that have been made in the past um, to a place like America. I think, does it really factor into making a difference about how much you would value your, your constitutional rights and your Second Amendment rights?
5: It is. You know, most people say, the there's a saying that says, you don't know what you have until you lose it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, you don't know what you were missing until you have it. <laughs>
6: right.
5: <laughs> you know, it is like, wow, it, it is really like this. Not everything, and it's so bad. So when I came here to the U.S., to me, it was like, I wouldn't say... You know, being in heaven, because still a country that where you have to strive for success, where you have to work hard, where, you know, like everything else, but at the same time, the opportunity, the freedom, the fact that I could talk pro or against the government regardless, and I don't feel threatened that my life is threatened or my family's life is threatened uh, in such a way. So I think it's something that people take for granted, and don't sees that. You know, here in the U.S., we live in this wonderful bubble. You know, yeah. it's like the U.S. is the whole, it's a whole world and the world outside is so different and so harsh, mm. you know, and, and that's one part that I always try to talk to people. It's like, don't, don't take that for granted. When my coach, when I used to shoot Olympic shooting, my coach, um, one of my coaches, uh, he was from Cuba and before Chavez, uh, Hugo Chavez, the, uh, the, the, you know, the elected president in 1998, mm-hmm. before he got elected, he used to tell my dad and my family all these stories in Cuba. You In Cuba, we can't find milk, we can find this, da-da-da-da. And people were like, well, that's Cuba because it's an island.
6: Mm. That's not
5: going to happen in Venezuela. We have all the oil. We are in, you know, in the good direction to become a, you know, a rich country and all that stuff. People didn't believe it. Mm. And all it takes is a bad leadership. To bring the
1: whole country down. So true. And in such a short amount of time, right? Like
5: it, it, it is.
1: A it generation is. or two, maybe, I think, is yeah. is how long it was. Because you know, we begin and end each one of these radio shows with a speech that our president Ronald Reagan in the eighties said is that our freedoms are only one generation away from extinction and Venezuela is just turn on the T V. It's living proof. Of yeah. how quickly things can decline if you aren't paying attention and if you aren't teaching um, other people about and, what you and value. This, and,
5: this, and the sad part of it is that you think the generations. So uh, this situation has been ha- having um, going on for seventeen years. So can you imagine somebody who is twenty five? They don't remember anything. Mm. They don't remember what it was to go to a supermarket and find butter, a different taste, color, shape, whatever you want to name it. They don't know that they don't don't remember. And that's the sad part of it is that I hear people telling me stuff, young people, I'm like, no, Venezuela (laughs) was not always like that. Mm. And that's a scary, more than sad, I think the scary part, because once you haven't seen it, it's just like you don't know what it is, not, you know, having
7: it. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: That's so well said. And, you know, so you are part of the DC Project, and that's um, kind of the theme of our show today is is talking to women that are involved in the DC Project and will be speakers uh, at the rally at the end of the week on Friday, July 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. on the lawn of the the Capitol building. And what, what was it that drove you to be a participant in the DC Project?
5: Well, to me is simple. To me is my commitment to what I believe, my commitment to what I think it needs to be done. Uh, it's easy to sit on behind a computer and say, Yeah, I support the second amendment and posting pictures about guns and posting my pictures shooting and talking in front of camera and saying, Yes, I you know, I think we should protect our second amendment but at the end of the day what it really counts is the actions, the actual true the true actions that we take. Not only Myself, as somebody who is well-known in the industry, but every constituent, everybody who votes, everybody who cares about their country, their generations, their families, uh, the future of the country, they should step up and say, you know what, it doesn't hurt to, if I'm near D.C., to go and support uh, this group or support other groups. It doesn't have to be just a D.C. project. It could be anything, but... You know, or writing to legislators or, you know, their senators just doing something. So to me, being part of it, it was was an easy easy yes Mm -hmm. for me. You know, this is out of pocket, but I'm saying I know what it is when you lose the right. And back in that time, I was too young. I couldn't vote. Mm -hmm. And perhaps I didn't, as a young person, probably didn't care much. Right now, I do care. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm mm-hmm. going to speak up. And I'm going to share that with everybody I speak to. So uh-huh. to me, that that's what it drove me.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and now you've got a, a little one on the way that you can feel that responsibility to pass along those um, th- those freedoms and those values. I'm going to be,
5: I'm gonna be seven months pregnant walking there, oh my. you know, talking, <laughs> being the heat, but hey, you know, that's the thing It's you know, those are the sacrifices you have to do if you believe in something and you really care about your country, and I am 100% committed to it.
1: You are a role model for so many people, and uh, we're going to have to attach somebody to your hip that has an umbrella and a (laughs) never-ending supply of water bottles, because we're going to take care of you and that little baby in that that Washington, D.C. heat and humidity. But we want to, hopefully, everybody will come out and see us, right? It's going to be not a huge event. It's going to be intimate enough that if people have questions or they want to interact with us, they will be able to, and I think that's going to be a rare opportunity definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk with us. And I will see you very soon in DC over the week of July 6 through 8. Thank you for having me. Love talking to you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right. Well, stick around. We still have more of the Ladies of the DC Project to talk about and explore why they're making this journey to Washington, DC, to to establish a relationship with their legislators. That's a new way of thinking about things, and, and I'm excited to be a part of it. So stick around more right after this.
2: Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some
4: live auction action. Or check them out on the web at PottyGoldEstate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today.
0: Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. And we are sponsored by AZFirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And today we have been talking about projecting a new image on the Second Amendment. And and while our next guest is not part of the DC project, where we are a bunch of women are projecting a new image through the D.C. Project. Okay, okay, we got it. (laughs) Projecting, okay. Just making sure that that you get where I'm going there. Um, Anyway, but uh, our next guest is definitely working toward the future of the Second Amendment in America. Todd Rathner is our guest. He's an attorney, a lobbyist for gun rights, for knife rights, for suppressor rights, and he's also the executive director of the NFA, Freedom Alliance. Todd, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And, um, you know, you wear a lot of hats, but let's, (laughs) he's just like, "Uh, yes, I do. I'm exhausting my own self, right?
7: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's talk about this NFA Freedom Alliance and the bills you passed this year, but what the heck is NFA? What is that?
7: Okay. Well, let, let me let me begin uh, by saying there is one hat I don't wear. I'm not actually an attorney, but I, I am a lobbyist. I, I like to call myself a jailhouse lawyer. I, I learned uh, the the what I like to call the art of lobbying um, at starting out as an activist and mm-hmm. just just being concerned with the issues and and realizing that nobody was going to do uh, do these things for me. That uh, I had to get out and and. Do it on my own, and so I started. I started um, working as an activist, and then um, and then sort of turned it into a profession as a lobbyist. But the the NFA is, as as you know, is the National Firearms Act, which regulates at the federal level. It regulates um, how we go about owning certain items like uh, machine guns, suppressors, uh, short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, and then a category of um, of items called any other weapon and, and it, it deals with that deals with um, things like pen guns and other things. And then, and then the NSA also deals with um, certain types of, of explosives and things.
2: Wait, Todd, uh, Todd, are you saying that it's, there's laws about machine guns? <laughs> 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 I mean, the news says that everybody has them. You mean to say yes, that there I, are laws?
7: I know, I know. I know. And it's especially, it's especially, the nonsense and the and, and, and the myths are especially prevalent in the wake of the, the recent recent shooting in Orlando, where even uh, folks that we, we hope ought to know better and think ought to know better and ought to get educated be- before they speak about it on television and keep mm. going on and talking about the automatic weapons that are available, uh, quote, over-the-counter, quote, <laughs> from the Internet, uh, at any gun store, and as as we know, the truth of the matter is, and, and I'm sure that many of your listeners know this, but I'll I'll repeat it for those that don't. Um, any any um, machine gun or fully automatic firearm that was produced after May of 1986 uh, is not available for a civilian to own. Uh, that you, you you have to be um, either a manufacturer or a certain type of dealer in order to have uh, one of those firearms that uh, only machine guns produced prior to May of 1986 can be possessed by a civilian. And in order to possess it, you have to pay the exorbitant uh, price for it because there's a limited supply of somewhere in the neighborhood of 250,000. That's all in the entire country. There's 250,000 some machine guns that are, that are um, available for uh, regular citizens, quote unquote to own Mm -hmm. um, that, so the so because of the limited supply, there's high demand and and the prices on them are through the roof. And so a fully automatic uh, M16, um, which is the, the you know the the brother or sister to the AR-15, is is in the thirty thousand dollar price range right now. And those those numbers go up <clears> and down uh, almost on a daily basis. But you know you're looking at about thirty thousand dollars for for a gun like that, plus uh the two hundred dollar tax stamp which is not not as big a deal as it was back in uh back in the day when they initiated the tax stamp in nineteen thirty four. Uh but but no, there's a limited supply. There's only a certain number of these guns available. They're extraordinarily expensive. Uh you have to get the tax stamp which requires filling out forms, submitting photographs, submitting fingerprints, and subjecting yourself to uh an extensive check by the ATF. And so no, machine guns are not available for sale. Um uh, at gun shows and and uh, on the internet, except in very limited ways, right. and those ways and those ways of selling them involve this extensive background check with fingerprints and photographs and uh, and the tax stamp that has to be paid, and then it's registered and the government knows exactly where it is.
2: Right, and, and so and we want to add to that that's about a six month process.
7: Yeah. It, 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 when when things are working well, it's about a six month process. Right, right now, because of various different factors, uh, you're probably at at nine to twelve months uh, right now at best, and and that's just because of, there's there's a lot of volume, and that brings me to you know, the NFA Freedom Alliance. There's a lot of volume in terms of sales and uh, folks uh, purchasing uh, suppressors right now. There's there's a huge rush. Uh, that's been going on. It's actually sort of extended over the past three or four years of both buying suppressors. And and one of the reasons is is that I have been working with um, with some with other organizations at times and sometimes on my own, sometimes very lonely, sometimes it's, I've got a lot of company. Mm-hmm. But for instance, in Iowa, we we work to legalize the possession of suppressors. Uh, we worked alongside the NRA, and we were able to legalize the possession of suppressors, which were therefore illegal to possess in Iowa. So that opens up an entire market uh, overnight to people buying. And so you've got dealers wanting to stock up and you've got individuals wanting to buy. Um, the same thing happened in uh, in uh, Minnesota recently. We helped uh, behind the scenes quietly with advice and consultation with their attorneys and lobbyists that were working on the ground from an organization called GOKRA. And we were doing... Uh, we were, we were doing some of the behind the scenes work. And so, yes, you're right. I do wear a lot of hats, and one of them is, is as executive director of the NFA Freedom Alliance. And largely what NFA Freedom Alliance does, although our primary goal is to repeal the National Firearms Act. I mean, it, it is a stated goal, and we're the only organization that I'm aware of, uh, that, that has that as a stated goal, uh, on our website. If you, if you go to our website, it's uh, www.NFAFA.org, and we have that as a stated goal. But uh, we're we're very focused on state level laws that deal with NFA items. And what a lot of folks don't realize is that many states have their own laws that either duplicate or exceed what the National Firearms Act does and says. And one of the biggest things that we did was last session, not this past session, but last session last year. Uh, we, we passed a bill that is now the law in Texas that actually legalizes the possession of NFA items. And a lot of people balked when I told them that it was technically not legal to possess an NFA item in the state of Texas prior to our bill passed. Uh, essentially, if the item was registered pursuant to the National Firearms Act, then you had a defense to prosecution. If you were arrested for possession of a silencer, machine gun, short barrel rifle, short barrel shotgun, or an AOW. So essentially, what it what it said was was that you could bring your paperwork to the court and defend yourself, and probably get the case dismissed. But that means you still got to go through the the horrors of being arrested, having your uh, NSA items confiscated at least temporarily, mm. and then. And and then ha- have the fun of going into court and defending yourself, which would cost you thousands and thousands of dollars, and time and effort. and And we changed that. The NFA Freedom Alliance led the fight uh, to to change that in Texas. And now those those items are are legal to possess in Texas as long as they're registered pursuant to the NFA. There's no more defense to prosecution nonsense. It's just affirmative affirmation that you can own these items in in the state of texas
2: right and even though um like california doesn't allow them even though you can register you can get a uh, machine gun registered california won't recognize it that's correct
7: well that's correct for an individual uh california has instructions big 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 surprise for guess what the movie industry Mm -hmm.
2: um
7: the, the film industry, there's a bunch of exceptions for all kinds of weapons because, um, obviously it's an economic issue for them. They don't want the movie industry to move to a free state like Arizona. So they, they make exceptions for the elites in the movie industry <laughs> to, to be able to possess all kinds of things, uh, like machine guns, silencers, um, SBSs, SBRs, and even switch and, Going into the other area that I, that I work in, in, in the knife arena, um, there's all kinds of exceptions in the law for the movie industry. But no, in California and a number of other states, um, you cannot, even if you've got a federally registered machine gun, you can't possess it in that state.
1: Hmm. And so that's what you're working to change with the NFAFA, Right.
7: A, a lot, a lot of, a lot of our focus is on the state level, and, and one of the reasons is if, if you look at what the uh, the, 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 the NRA and, and other organizations have done very, very effectively over the years, is changed the debate at the state level. So, if you think about over the past twenty five years of all the gun laws that have been passed. Uh, like, let's say, at the federal level, the pro-gun bills. You could probably count them on one hand, but the pro-gun measures, you know, the Lawful uh, Commerce in Arms Act and a couple of others, and, and LEOSA and maybe, maybe a few more. Um, but at the at the state level, the, the NRA has been extraordinarily aggressive in terms of things like um, CCW permits and uh, constitutional carry and other things. And so we're modeling that on, on NFA-related on NSA related issues. And one of the one of my one of my theories is, is that the legislators that go to, to Congress uh, very often start out in state houses. And so it's very hard to find a a pro gun congressman or senator, federal level congressman or senator now who is pro gun that doesn't understand the CCW permit process and doesn't understand that it's law abiding citizens. But you take that same person who's a CCW permit person that understands it's pro gun le- le- federal legislator, and you talk to them, they don't have a clue about the NSA or NSA items, and and part of that is because they've never had to deal with it at the state level when they were serving in there in their state legislature, mm-hmm. and and it, and and it's not been popularized, and they don't get it. Mm-hmm. So my my theory, my working theory, has been that the more that we can get state and local legislators to to deal with the NFA issue, like suppressors, for instance, is a great entree. Um, If if we can get them to legalize suppressor ownership and understand that suppressors are essentially nothing more than a safety accessory you see, protect your ears, Mm -hmm. and get them to understand that, that maybe someday if they get elected to Congress, they'll realize the stupidity of having suppressors even part of the NFA. Mm-hmm. And work to get them at, uh, removed from uh, from the purview of the National Firearms Act. I agree. And so, go hey, ahead, I'm sorry. We've
1: we got to run to to a commercial, but I wonder if you could stick around, and we'll just we'll just change our last segment from what we'd normally do to to talk about these issues a little more. Do you have the time?
7: Yes, I do. All right,
1: well, stick around through the commercial. We've got much more coming up with Mr. Todd Rathner, who is the Executive Director of the NFA Freedom Alliance. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means and what he does after this break.
2: Be a part of the Gold Rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottigoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. See so you best, hurry, and tell them Don Collier sent you.
4: Come listen to the Self Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
2: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio where we engage, educate and inform. It's sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We're talking with, well, first of all, we want to change our segment a little bit. We're not going to have our responsible... Um, Responsibly
1: Citizen Report and Dan's Tip of the Week because, and we've never done this before, but because our guest, Todd Rathner, uh, he's talked about so many things that I feel like we need to drill down a little bit more and help everybody understand... Well, why do we care about the NFA Freedom Alliance? Why do we care about whether or not suppressors are legal or not legal, and and those sorts of things? And, and we appreciate Todd that you you stuck around
2: with us. Well, first of all, so I'm happy to do it. I'd like to let our listeners know that he's the director of NFA Freedom Alliance. Hmm. And Todd, you were talking about suppressors, and you know one of the things that you know they talk about politicians that are not uh, educated with gun culture. Um, suppressors don't just make a gun not make noise it's just the reason why we want to change the ways the suppressor laws are is because it's a safety issue there are people that are losing their hearing and when you go hunting you can't wear earplugs because you need to listen to the environment around you and so if you have a suppressor you can safely shoot your gun without any uh, effects on your ears
7: yeah, that's, that's 100% correct. And, and you know, look, we're, we're seeing the lack of education on firearms and firearms issues and firearms laws play out before our very eyes right now on C-SPAN. What's going on in the, in, in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives just shows the lack of understanding by many of our elected representatives. And the proposals that have been spewing out of the Uh, from from the anti-gun folks and from legislators, sitting legislators, in the past three, four, five days that have just been coming out show a complete lack of understanding of the issue. However, the other thing that's been demonstrated is we do have folks that are educated up there who are defending our rights and are defeating these nonsensical bills that would do nothing to stop um, violent action. And so it's important that we get folks educated on things like suppressor ownership, which is, as you said, a, essentially a safety device. I mean, I've got, I've got two boys. Uh, one is 15 and one is nine and they've grown up with, uh, the ability to to shoot firearms with suppressors. And one of the things that w- was very important, it, it used to be illegal in the state of Arizona to hunt with a suppressor and the NFA Freedom Alliance worked to, um, to change that and we we got a change and now it's legal to hunt with a suppressor. And one of the reasons, one of my main motivations was there are various reasons why you don't hunt with hearing protection on. One of them is you want to hear other hunters around you. The other is you want to be able to hear um, uh, someone speaking to you if you have a hunting partner with you. Uh, But one of the main things when hunting with a child is that you need to be able to whisper in that child's ear certain instructions on how to conduct a stalk and where a place a shot, and which animal to shoot, so that they shoot a male instead of a female or they shoot the right animal or they shoot safely. And so you, you need to be able to whisper in that child's ear while you're actually hunting with them. And that's impossible if they've got earplugs in and headphones on uh, and or headphones on. And so you sort of have to make this ridiculous choice that you can't hunt with a suppressor. Um, do I put the earring protection on them in order to protect their ears, or do I keep them out in order to be able to speak to them while conducting a hunt? And, and it's, 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 it's a dumb choice, and so we shouldn't have to make that choice. We should have a third choice, and the third choice is, is to hunt with a suppressor.
2: Right, and who and, wants to walk out in the middle of the desert, quail hunting, walking through that brush without being able to hear where you're walking and listening for rattlesnakes, and the other thing, you know, those, they have ear protection that's electronic, and you could say, well, I'll use that. Have you ever shot, uh, shot a rifle using those big uh, headphones? You you can't do it. Right,
7: right. And we, we know, as, as 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 real shooters, we know these things. Instead of these people who keep telling us uh, what what's good for us and, and what laws we ought to pass, because you only need a silencer for one thing, and you only need a... You, you, you only need these things for you know for killing people when in reality there are there are great benefits to owning things like suppressors and you know of course you don't want to walk around in the desert um, in in the heat that we deal with here with a big pair you know big set of headphones on and then and then shooting a rifle uh, from a resting position is very difficult with headphones on and and it's much easier to use to use a suppressor and and you know now that there are big companies that are producing suppressors. Uh, Sig Sauer now has a, a suppressor line and they're mass producing suppressors. Um, the prices are getting more and more reasonable. Folks understand the, um, the issue of having to wait for it. They don't like it. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. We're working on, on some options on how to reduce that time. But until we do, uh, folks ought to be able to own them and ought to be able to hunt them. And, you know, for instance, in Oklahoma, we just passed a bill. This this session uh, that that says that it's legal to hunt on public land with a suppressor. Prior to prior to that, it was illegal to hunt on any land. Prior to I think it was 2009 or 2010, it was illegal. It was illegal to hunt with a suppressor anywhere in Oklahoma. And uh, I worked to get a bill passed. Um, I think it was in 2010. I just my memory fails me at the moment. What year it was, but. Uh, I worked to get a bill passed and, and worked alongside the NRA to get a bill passed to make it legal. But we were forced into a compromise where essentially it said that you could only hunt with private land on private land with a suppressor. And you, um, you had to have the landowner's permission in writing with you to hunt on private land in Oklahoma. But it was a compromise that we were willing to accept because it moved the ball forward. And about 90% of the land in Oklahoma is privately owned. Anyway, and so we accepted the
2: compromise. It's and a very I, start. It's, it's a good step. I mean, it's yeah, a good... Yeah. And,
7: and, and I said back then, I'll be back. And it took me a few years. But uh, in it, this year, in 2016, uh, we went back and we got a bill passed that um, that says that now you can hunt anywhere it's legal to hunt in the state of Oklahoma. Um, you can hunt with a suppressor, and it, it took a lot of work, and it took a lot of effort, and it took some um, uh, it t- it took some lobbying and some and some work to, to deal with the game department because the game department was opposed to it, and we were able to, to get it through, and the governor signed it, and it's now the law in the state of Oklahoma. You can hunt anywhere it's legal to hunt. You can hunt with a suppressor in That's Oklahoma. Awesome.
2: Good job. Well, Todd, what could well, be you. the what could be their argument? I mean, you want to use a, a suppressor to hunt with, what's their argument?
7: Well, it's, the, the arguments are really, are really crazy. Um, the, the, the argument is that it makes it easier to post uh, mm. because, um, because game, uh, game department officials claim that their officers will chase gunshots, which, if you think about it, as a, as a gun owner and an experienced uh, shooter who's probably taken a lot of training um, would, would you advise anyone at any time, law enforcement or not, to taste chase gunshots out in the middle of the desert? Um, that, in other words, they they're, they're claiming that if you are hunting at night, uh, and 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 a landowner hears a gunshot, he'll be able to call 911 and direct the police to them. Um, and 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 we all know that if you're poaching, um, and and you fire a shot when you're poaching, you're going to be out of there in five minutes anyway. Right. So it's not it's not a viable tactic. So they, they claim that, you know, it makes it harder to find posts. Then they claim that it makes it harder to hear another hunter who's hunting nearby you, that you want to know where the other hunter is. Well, that's not true, because 98% of the ammunition that is used in hunting is supersonic ammunition, which means that it exceeds the speed of sound. And we know from basic physics that any object that exceeds the speed of sound, creates a crack or a boom, depending on the spot. Mm-hmm. Well, that crack is is audible from, could be in some instances, depending on the train, it could be audible from miles away. Right. And so, yeah, when somebody shoots with a suppressed rifle that's shooting a supersonic round, um, you're going to hear that crack and you're going to know where that person is. And so when I made those arguments, the game department said, okay, fine, then we want to outlaw hunting with subsonic engines. And we, um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't accept that amendment. And, and I'll be honest with you, we bulldozed them and we got it through, yeah. uh, without, without the amendment. And, um, uh, so now you can hunt with any type of firearm, with any type of suppressor, as long as it's all legal and registered pursuant to the NSA. Uh, you can hunt anywhere that it's legal to hunt in the state of Oklahoma with any ammunition that you shoot. And so if you want to hunt pigs with subs, you can, you can hunt pigs with subsonic ammunition. If you want to hunt deer, you're more likely to use supersonic because the shots are further. But, um, but you can make that choice. The choice is up to you. And, and, and we know that gun owners are responsible and hunters are responsible. They're going to do the right thing. And, Absolutely. And, and the bottom line is a poacher is going to poach. And there's nothing that you can do about that.
1: That's, you know, that's really the bottom line with so much of this stuff is that, you know, the laws are already there. The, the bad guys are already breaking them. Uh, putting more restrictions on the rest of us, good guys, isn't going to stop the bad guys. But we uh, we're out of time again. I could keep you on for the entire two hours, yeah. <laughs> so we we have got to bring you back on. But I I just want to say that at the top of of your segment, your first segment, I introduced you as an attorney, and you corrected me on that, and it made me just even more excited. That look what a citizen you're a citizen who has done all that you have done out of a passion for protecting our rights and how encouraging that is to all citizens that you're just one person, Todd, right? Yes. And yet look what you've been able to accomplish.
7: Well, and, and the only way that I can accomplish it is if if people are engaged and involved. And one way they can get engaged and involved if they're interested in this issue in particular is to join, come see the NFA Freedom Alliance website it's www.nfafa.org. Join the organization. Um, we uh, go to our Facebook page, which you can just do a search for NFA Freedom Alliance on Facebook and get on our Facebook page, and you'll get updated and kept uh, kept on top of the issues. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a citizen that cares about these things, one way to do it is to get involved and help us and support us. And we'll be doing some fundraisers and some fun raffles pretty soon where people can win uh some really, really rare and cool uh, short barrel rifles and suppressors and some other things. So keep an eye on our Facebook page for that for that awesome. coming up over the summer.
1: We will. Thank you, Todd, so much. We'll be in touch soon. Okay.
7: Take care. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Well, thank you so much to our tech crew, our listeners, our guests. I can't believe we're out of time already. What an awesome show. Uh, please follow our, our website, gunfreedomradio.com and Facebook page. And until next week please pray for this nation of ours pray for all of our leaders all of them god bless them yeah even the ones that drive us insane especially them and be good to each other have a great week and god bless
0: our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.